Turn with me to the Gospel according to Matthew, the first book in our New Testament, to the very first chapter of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1. And we'll read beginning at verse 1. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Aminadab, and Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Solomon, and Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah. Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram. And Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham. And Jotham begot Ahaz. Ahaz begot Hezekiah. And Hezekiah begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Amon. And Amon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time They were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel. And Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abiud. And Abiud begot Eliakim. And Eliakim begot Azor. And Azor begot Zadok. And Zadok begot Achim. And Achim begot Eliud. And Eliah begot Eleazar. Eleazar begot uh, Mathen. And Mathen begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity until the Christ are 14 generations. And we'll pause there. And ask the Lord to bless the reading of His Word. Let us pray. Our Lord and Father, we we humbly come before You this morning. And Lord, I, I ask for help. Lord, I ask that I may decrease and You must increase, Lord. Father, that Your Son would be magnified and glorified as we consider this passage in Your in Your Scripture, Lord. Father, as we consider the 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 mystery. And the wonder that God would leave the majesties and glories of heaven to step upon time and step upon this earth for His people, for humanity. Lord, let Your Son be refreshed and glorified in our minds and our hearts this morning. I ask all these things in Your Son's name, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I'm going to ask anybody, did anybody get any of these verses to memorize for the scriptorium? No? Yeah, no. So I've, I've, I've had the privilege of studying the, the advent of our Lord multiple times. I, I've, I've spoken on, on multiple Christmases in, in, in the past 12 years or 15 years that the Lord has given me opportunity to share from His Word. And, and every time I, I've delved into the story, it, it's, it's always, it's always so, touching and joyous and, and, and brings tears to my mind and to my heart. But I, I've not really spent too much time on these genealogies. And so I, 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 I felt a, a burden to, to, to look upon these things because the New Testament begins with these verses. When Matthew sat down to pen this Gospel for his readers... He didn't choose to begin with, with the angels' announcements. He didn't choose to begin with, with Zechariah and Elizabeth. He chose to begin with a genealogy. And there's great significance in this genealogy. There's great 
immense amount of grace being poured out of this genealogy. There's a lot that we can be, we can learn from this genealogy. Not just to the original reader, because now, mind you, the Gospel of Matthew was written by Matthew to his people, to the Jews. And so there was great meaning to them. But there's great meaning to us here today as well. So we don't want to necessarily ignore it. All Scripture is inspired. All Scripture is very important. And we should we should meditate and look upon all of it. And so I humbly come before you trying to tackle something that's very difficult. Data. (laughs) There's a lot of data here. And so we ask the Lord and the Holy Spirit to help in these things. Now, I made mention to you that Matthew begins with the genealogy. And the question has to be asked, why? Why did he begin with a genealogy? When we consider the other Gospels, he does stand unique in that, right? Uh, Mark. Mark portrays the Lord Jesus Christ as, as the servant. And, and Mark skips his birth altogether. Mark gets right to it. Mark says, hey, uh, uh, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and then he begins talking about John the Baptist and his baptism and the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ right from the beginning. Luke, on the other hand, Luke, the historian, takes a very accurate account. And he doesn't start at his birth, but he starts before his birth. He starts at the first time in which the Lord himself would break with revelation from a period of 400 years. From Malachi to to, to Luke chapter 1, there was 400 years of stark silence from the heavens. God did not reveal any word to his people for 400 years. And so Luke begins this, this beautiful story of this old priest and his wife having this promised child to be the one who heralds, who, who stands and heralds the coming of the king. It's a beautiful story. And then you have John. John doesn't start at his birth. John goes all the way back to eternity past. And he begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's almost poetic. It's it's, it's melodic in its Word, isn't it? It's beautiful. And yet Matthew chose to begin with a genealogy. With a bunch of names. And we must ask ourselves, why did the Lord, why did the Holy Spirit inspire Matthew to pen such words? To begin at this moment? What is the significance of this? Now, I will tell you, there is great significance in it all. Now, I, I, I will calm your hearts and tell you that we're not going to go over every single name and every single historical place in the names because we won't have time. There's, there's immense amount of, 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 of blessing in each name and, and the study of each name. But I want to do some, some of the major highlights in this passage. I, I want to highlight to you God's salvation plan through this genealogy. And so th- this is what I want to do. Matthew gives us an outline for the genealogy, by the way. I, I don't know if you caught it. But in, in verse, verse 17, Matthew gives us the outline of the genealogy he says, So all the generations of Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David until the captivity in Babylon were 14 generations, and from the, um, and from the captivity uh, to the Christ are 14 generations. So here we have one section from Abraham to David, the next section from David to the captivity of Babylon, and the last section from Babylon to the Christ. Those are our three sections. And, and, and what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get you uh, to, to see here is that Matthew is highlighting in the history of the children of Israel three major points which all culminate upon the arrival of Jesus Christ. So our, our, our three major points that we're going to look at this outline uh, be, before we get into it, I, I'm going to give to you the, from, from verses 1, I'm sorry, verses 2 to 6, we have the Abrahamic covenant and the rise of the nation. Verses 7 to, 7, 7, I'm sorry, 7 to 11, the Davidic covenant and the beginning of the downfall of the nation. And then from 12 to 16, you have 
judgment and obscurity of the nation. So before we, we, we delve into the delve, delve into, I'm sorry, before we delve into these three points, I want to talk to you a little bit about the genealogy of Jesus Christ. First of all, there's two genealogies for our Lord in the New Testament, if you didn't know. One is found in Matthew, the other one is found in Luke. And in the gospel, according to Luke, Luke starts with Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist and then Mary and so forth. But in chapter 3, in chapter 3 of Luke, after the Lord it was goes and, and meets John the baptism, b- baptizer and is baptized, and he begins his ministry, then Luke says, here is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, I do want to clarify some things. The genealogy in Luke and the genealogy in Matthew are not the same. And you may say, well, why is that? Well, number one, we believe, or scholars believe, that the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy of Joseph, his father. Right? So one of the things that Matthew highlights for us is the lineage of the king. And one of the things that Matthew highlights in his gospel is he presents Jesus as king. And so in Matthew, we have the genealogy of Jesus Christ through the line of the king. And so we we see at the very onset of of verse 1, it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Notice he didn't start with the son of Abraham, the son of David. He's highlighting the fact that this is the genealogy through whom the son of David shall reign, in whom has the rightful and legal authority to reign on the throne of David. Now, what's going on with the uh, genealogy in Luke? Well, if you would, bear with me a little bit. Turn with me to Luke chapter 3. I just want to highlight a couple things with you. Luke chapter 3 to prove a a couple points. Luke chapter 3, and then we're going to begin to look at it. uh, Verse 23, excuse me. Luke chapter 3, verse 23 says, Now Jesus himself began ministry at about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, son of Heli. Now, if we turn to, uh, to Matthew, we read that Joseph's father was Jacob. Okay? So now... There's a, there's a difference between Matthew and Luke, and, and this is where they're separate, and then they converge. You know where they converge? They converge at David. So here we have, in Matthew, it starts with, uh, it's, well, we start with Abraham, but we end with Jesus. But if we go backwards, it, go, it goes Jesus, Joseph, Jacob, and works its way back, gets to David, and then the, the, the uh, genealogies come together. If you look at, at Luke chapter 3, it says that Joseph was the son of Heli, son of Mathan, and then skip all the way down. All these names are different till we, until we get to David, which is in verse, uh, I should have highlighted it because I can't, there it is in verse 33. The son of David, son of Jesse, son of Obed, son of Boaz. Now, the genealogy in Luke is different for the sole reason that scholars believe it's the genealogy by the branch of Mary. Not Joseph. And when you say, well, 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 it says Joseph, son of Heli. How is that possible? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, it's not, it's not unprecedented in scripture for when a, when a, a man marries a woman, he becomes the son of that woman's father, right? I'll give you a scriptural example. In first Samuel, when David was running from Saul and Saul went into a, a cave to relieve himself and and, and, and David cut a piece of his robe and he walked off and, and he felt bad and he confronted him. If you remember in the discourse between Saul and David, and they were far off, and, and, and David says, I, you know, I was there and I'm sorry, I cut your robe. And Saul says, David, is that you, my son? He says. He called him his son. Now, David was not Saul's son, but David was his son-in-law. Right, and so there is precedence for for Joseph 
having two separate fathers in that sense, two lineages. Now, one another thing that would highlight or would clarify that to me would be in verse 23 where, in, of Luke chapter 4, which says, Now Jesus himself began ministering about the age of 30, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. That parenthesis is very unique in, the, in that verse. It's very unique in that scripture in that it was highlighting the fact that necessarily that Jesus was not of the seed of Joseph. Now, the other points I can make is, is, is simply this. Look at the context of that, of Luke. Now, if you look at the story of the beginning chapters of Luke, who is the main protagonist in all the story? There's a lot of characters that come in and come out, but the, 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 the main thread seems to be Mary, doesn't it? When we turn to Matthew chapter 1, it's not Mary that's highlighted. It is actually Joseph that is highlighted. And, and you can see that if you just read the, those, those accounts. In Matthew, it, it begins with, with Joseph and the dilemma that his betrothed is pregnant and an angel coming to Joseph. In, in Luke, you have, you have Mary being confronted with the angel and the promise of the child and Mary going to, to Elizabeth and Mary and so forth. And so the, you have two separate lineages there. Now, I say all that, and I know it's a lot of information, but I say all that to say that both in the line of Joseph and in the line of Mary, both are of the, of, of the line of David. You see, one of, the, one of the major points that had to be true if Jesus was to be the Messiah is that he had to be the son of David. The son of David. So, I will pose, to, pose it to you this way. The genealogy in Matthew is the genealogy concerning the royal line. The royal line. And the genealogy in the book of Luke, chapter 3, is the genealogy concerning the bloodline. The bloodline. Okay? And, and there's great significance in that, but we'll get to that at the end uh, if, if we have time. So, I think that's all the introductions we have. So let us, let us look a little bit into these, this genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. Um, it's, it begins with Abraham. And so it, it, before we, we, we get too far into it, I want to pause and, and highlight Abraham to you. Who is Abraham? What is the significance of Abraham? So I, 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 would, I would point you to Genesis chapter 12, and I would have you turn there, but just... Just I'll read the verses to you. In, in, in Genesis chapter 11, we have, we have Tower of Babel, right? Here we have the moment in which God disperses the people, disperses the nation. He confuses the languages, and now people are to, to be going out and spreading upon the face of the earth. And they're, they're now grouped by, 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 by dialects and languages, and, and God spread out the people. And then God singles out this one man from the family of Shem. Abraham in chapter 12. In chapter 12, he says to Abraham, now the Lord said to Abram, he was Abram before he was Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. Now here is God intervening upon the history of humanity. And singling out one individual for one purpose to make his name great. He doesn't just stop there. I should have kept reading. I'm sorry. It says, and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curse you. And this is the, this is the main thrust of the promise. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now listen, when we begin looking at the history of humanity from Genesis to Revelation, God is revealing himself to humanity a little bit at a time. And a little bit at a time, he, he, he gives more promises and he promises more. You remember back at Genesis when, when, when the, when man fell and God dealt with both Adam and Eve and he gave that promise to Eve and to Adam. He says, listen, her seed, he says, shall what? She'll, she'll, she'll stomp up on the serpent's head. And the serpent would bruise its heel. And you have this, this future promise of redemption. This future promise of salvation. This future promise of reconciliation. 
And God through human history reveals and refines that promise through different people. And here with Abraham is a humongous moment in which now God selects Abraham. And God says, Abraham, through you there's going to be a great nation. Through your descendants, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. And Genesis chapter 22 gives us a little more refining to that promise. In Genesis chapter 22, there, when, when, when God tests Abram and says, Abram, I want you to offer up your only begotten son, whom you love. And Abraham went up to Mount Moriah. He, him and the lad went up with the wood and the fire. And as he laid the lad and he was about to offer up his son, the Lord stopped him. And the Lord said to him, Blessings I will bless you, and multiply I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens. And as the sands which are on the seashore and your, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. And he says, In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You see, Abraham, in chapter, in chapter 12 of Genesis, he, he promised Abraham that through, through you, I'm going to bless all the nations, all the families of the earth. And now he gives a slightly clearer revelation. He says, Abraham, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now I want you to be, I want you to, to, to understand and be clear on the word seed. Because it, it comes back up in the New Testament. In Galatians, Paul deals with that, that, that very same little word. The word is seed, not seeds with an S. You see, it was going to be a descendant of Abraham in which the promise was going to be fulfilled, in which he would bless all the nations. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through the seed. Do you see that? Now, I say all that to, to, to bring your mind back to the, to the main point that this was written, or at least the Gospel of Matthew was written towards the Jews, towards the Hebrews. And you see, Abraham, the patriarch, was held in such high regard. And the promise and the, and the Abrahamic covenant was held in such high esteem. And their hope and their prayer was to see the seed of Abraham rise. You know, one of the sad things about this first period of 14 generations is that God would promise to Abraham a seed. And He did give him a physical seed, didn't He? He gave him Isaac. But Isaac was a far cry from what God promised him, isn't it? And so we, we, we see something that's very unique in the, in the names that, that come up. I, I know I titled this section, The, the, the Rise of the Nation. And, and, and in a historical sense, the nation of Israel rose from Abraham up to its ultimate glory, which is, is David and Solomon. And they rose in power, they rose in wealth, they rose in influence, that is all true. But you, you look at these individuals, and the, the, the interesting thing is, this is the section of, of the genealogy that most of us are familiar with. We can look at these names and say, yeah, I know who that is. Yes, I remember that Sunday school. I remember this name too. I remember what they did. But one thing I want to I highlight for you is, man, these are flawed individuals. From Abraham on. These are flawed individuals. Abraham, the, 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 the patriarch of the Jews, the, the, the one who the promise was given to. Man, the Lord does not hide any of his blemishes. He, he, he puts it right out there. Not not far after the Lord gives him the promise and Abraham leaves and 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 the Lord confirms it and he and he worships the Lord. There's a famine in the land. He goes down to Egypt. And what does he do in Egypt? Well, he he lies about his wife because she's beautiful, and he's afraid that they're going to kill him because of his wife. And, And and the very thing in which God promised him, he lost faith. 
And, and, and we can go on. And Abraham uh, was 99 years old and man alive. He was getting old. And God said, I'm going to have a, 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 a son, but I'm well past my years and so is my wife. And his wife says, oh, I, I have an idea, Abram. What, what, why don't you, you know, while we were in Egypt, I, I, I got this really good servant girl, Hagar. Sweetest thing. Why don't you go into her and have a son and, and we'll have a, a lineage through her. She will, she will have Barris' child for me. It's a great idea. It makes sense, right? Oh, what a disaster. What a disaster. The point I want to highlight is the coming of the Christ came and he came in spite of his people. He didn't come because his people were great. He didn't come because all these individuals were, were, were holy and, and, and perfect people. He came in spite of them. I, you know, you ever wonder where Satan was in all these, in all these stories? Like, 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 here is God singling out this man, and, and, and Satan's watching this. And, and, and Abraham, I'm, I'm going to give you a seed. I'm going to give you a descendant. And, and through that descendant, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. And you wonder Satan's conniving and going, so if I can corrupt that seed, there goes God's promises. And that's, and that's all Satan ever did from that moment on. Hagar and Ishmael was nothing but a, a deviation from God's plan. And God would have to rectify it. When, when they were out in Egypt or, 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 or with Abimelech, and Sarah was going to be taken, and the mother, which was going to, to, to bear the child of Abraham, was going to be defiled, the Lord had to step in. And the Lord kept His word from generation to generation in spite of men's shortcomings. You know, it's funny, we can go to Isaac, and Isaac did the same foolish thing as his father did. Oh, Rebecca's beautiful, and, and oh, just say you're my sister. Same exact nonsense. You get to Jacob, the surplanter. <laughs> Imagine that, if your mother named you surplanter. And yet the Lord took this man, this hard, devious, conniving man, and broke him. And changed his name to Israel. And so we have this first section of 14 generations. Now, I, I do want to pause and, and, and highlight another thing that's unique in this section. And something you don't see in genealogies hardly ever. And that you're probably familiar with, but there's women in this section. Women are highlighted in this section. Normally, you, you, you listen. If you want, if you want a good bedtime reading, pick up Second Chronicles, start at chapter one. You got nine nine chapters of names. You're not going to find many women there. But here we have women. We have, in particular, four women that show up. In this section. We start off with Tamar. Tamar bore two sons to Judah. And then we read about Rahab. Rahab. I, I, I wonder if these names are ringing a bell in your mind. And then we read about Ruth. And then the fourth one is, is not named, but is implied there by the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba. I, 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 I want to highlight to the fact that even though this section I consider the rise of the nation, the, the amount of foolishness that occurred, the amount of sin and debauchery that occurred was surprising. I mean, you could, you could see it in these women. Tamra, if you don't know, Tamra was the daughter-in-law of Judah. 
Judah had, had a firstborn son, and, and he found him, found him a wife named Tamra, and they got married, and his firstborn son died. And so he, he said to his second son, Send, go into your brother's wife and give him an heir. And his second son was a wicked man. And the Lord killed him. And Judah had a third son. But he was afraid to give him the third son. And so she sent her away to her father's house. Say, remain a widow at your father's house until my third son becomes older. And time went and came and he never gave her the third son. And so she heard that her father-in-law was coming by to shear the sheep. And she, in her cunning ways, took off her 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 garments of widow, her, her veil of widowship, and put on a veil and covered her face and stood openly in the, by the road like a prostitute. And Judah, coming by, saw her and solicited her. And you know the story. It's, 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 it's horrible. It's tragic. Uh, there, was, there was twin boys born from that horrible union. And yet here they are, in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And you scratch your head. Well, I mean, let, 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 okay. let's look at the next one. Rahab. Now, if you don't know who Rahab is, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you two words, right? In Scripture, she's named this. Multiple times she says, this is Rahab the harlot. Right? Multiple times in Scripture, in Joshua, this is Rahab the harlot. Do you wonder what, what her occupation was? Yeah, she was a harlot. But you know what's beautiful about, Har- about, about Rahab? Is that when she lived in Jericho, and she lived in the walls of Jericho, she heard about what the Lord God did to Egypt. Well, what the Lord God did to Pharaoh. And then she heard how the children of Israel on the other side of the Jordan River, on the east side, how they decimated the two kingdoms there of Og, or Sihon, Sihon and Og, I believe, are the name of the kings. And she heard about what the Lord God did through these people. And so when the spies came to her, she said to them, Swear to me by the Lord. Here's one, number one, who is a Canaanite, one who is far from the promises of God, one who has nothing to do with Abraham, but she heard about the works of the Lord. She heard about the work of God amongst the nations. And she said, he's not like any other God. And she said, if there's anything, there's something in him. And so when the spies came, she protected them. She hid them. And we see her in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful story of redemption. From harlot to mother, grandmother. Next you have, you have Ruth. Now, now what, what can we say about Ruth? Oh, I, I love Ruth. She's a beautiful character in Scripture. The, the, the book of Ruth is a beautiful love story of one of loyalty to her mother-in-law and to her God and, and, and God's provision for these two widowed women. And you may say, well, what, what bad can you say about Ruth? Well, I can't really say anything bad about Ruth. But the Word of God does say a lot about Ruth's heritage. You see, Ruth was a Moabitess from the people of Moab. Now, just to give you a little history on Moab, uh, Moab were the offspring of Lot through an incensuous, through an incensuous, incensuous I can't even say the word anymore, uh, for, through incense of his daughter. And, 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 and it's not even that that we hold against her, but you, you see... When the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness and they were coming north to possess the land, they came to the land of Moab, which, by the way, they're distant relatives. And they said, hey, listen, would you just let us go through your land, through the highway? We're not going to veer to the right or to the left. And if we do take anything, we'll pay for it, he says. Moab said, absolutely not. 
And he went a little further than that. The king of Moab said, I have an idea. I'm going to hire a prophet. And I'm going I'm to have him curse the children of Israel. And now you know the story of Balaam. Balaam, the, the one who, who rides a donkey that talks to him because he's too blind to see. And the Lord causes this, this, this would-be prophet to bless instead of cursing. But one of the things that, that, that he does do is he gives advice to the king of Moab. He says, if you want to destroy the children of Israel, he says, intermarry with them. And it's the advice of Balaam that causes the children of Israel to begin to fall apart, to, to follow God's bales and, and, and idols. And, and you remember the story in Numbers where, where, where the children of Israel were really concerned about the fact that the, the young men were marrying off to the Moabites and the, and the Midianites. And as Moses was talking to the congregation about this, here comes a young man with a, with a pretty little Midianite. Remember that story? And Phineas, the, the, high, uh, the priest, sees this. Picks up, a, picks up a spear and runs after them and skewers both of them. You see, Moabites, as a people, the Lord cursed. The Lord cursed the nation of Moab. You know what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 22 of the, of the Moabites? He says, listen, no Moabite shall enter the congregation or the assembly of the Lord, even up to the 10th generation. It says, 10th generation. So here we have a Moabite in the line of Jesus. Huh. One who was cursed because of her family, because of her nationality, is now in the line of Jesus Christ. I, I hope I'm highlighting to you the redemption that we have in this genealogy. And I'm, I'm, and I'm out of time, but so I, I must really hurry. This is just the first point. The rise of the nation. And in this rise of the nation, you have God's promises and the rise of the nation and their shortcomings and their, and their, and their, their ups and downs. Think of the judges, the cycle of the judges. The people would fear the Lord God and serve the Lord God. And then as soon as the judge died, they went back to idolatry. And the Lord would, would send the nations to, to them and to oppress them and to be a snare unto them. And then the Lord would raise a judge because of their crying. The up and the down. The up and the down. And yet work, the Lord worked through these people to build a nation. The Abrahamic covenant. Let's move on to the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant, as it, as it implies, was to David, King David. If you recall in, in first, in, I'm sorry, second Samuel chapter seven, there, David, after he had peace around him, he had defeated the, the, the nations around him. He looked around and he saw that he lived in a beautiful house of cedar. And he looked out and he saw the tabernacle of God, the place in which God dwelt. There, out in the open, in a tent. And it was laid upon his heart. This is, this is where you see why David is called a man after God's own heart. He says to Nathan the prophet, Nathan, here I am living in a house of cedar, yet the Lord lives in a tent. I'm going to build him a house. And Nathan says, David, that's a wonderful idea. Do, do all that's in your heart, David. That That's really good, David. I'm surprised nobody's thought of it yet. And Nathan goes home, and that night the Lord speaks to him. And Nathan says, Nathan, uh, I know David wants to build me a house. And, and, and the Lord does want a house, he says. But David can't build it. Why? Well, because he's a man of war. But he says this. He says, listen, he wants to build me a house. The Lord says, I'm going to build you a house, David. And from your seed, there shall never be lacking one on the throne. It says in 2 Samuel chapter chapter 7, verse 13, it says, And he shall build the house 
uh, for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Psalms chapter 89, verse 34 says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the words that has gone out from my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as a sun before me, and it shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithfulness Uh, the faithful witness in the sky, Selah. You see, we talked about the first revelation in Abraham, how the Lord was going to use Abraham and his seed to bless all the nations. Now we have it refined a little bit more. And it says, David, through you, through your seed, is going to come the one who's going to reign forever. Now listen, If we look at the, if we look at the, 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 the promises of this seed, of this one who's going to reign forever, none of David's sons ever fill this gap. None of them ever fit the description. Solomon was the closest one. Yet Solomon, as wonderful he was, he was the wisest man upon this earth. His kingdom was like no other kingdom. The queen of Sheba said, I, my, the eyes have not been told. I, I, I can't believe it. It's greater than I've ever heard. And yet this wise man ended his life as a fool. And because of his foolishness, the kingdom that he had, it was given to him, was broken and separated. And so we see the Davidic covenant in which now the the messiah the one who is promised is going to come through the king and so listen again as a jewish reader pedigree is very important you see the messiah had to come through abraham now the messiah has to come through david and so you read the sons of david and, and we're out of time but but if you look at the history of the kings some were good some were bad and it's this oscillating back and forth. Uh, they did not follow after the footsteps of their father David. They, they, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And you have great kings and you have horrible kings. And the, the, the nation as a whole begins this very slow descent. And the Lord God would, would, would plead with His people. Not only would, he, would, would, would the kings... Uh, the good kings would reestablish the law. Like, like think about Josiah. Here's this young kid who, who takes over. And when the law of God was found, could you imagine that? When the law which was to be near to their heart was lost to that generation, was completely lost. They had no clue it existed. But when, when someone found this old scroll in the temple and they found it, they brought it to Josiah and he read it. You know what, they, what Josiah did? He ripped his clothes. He tore his clothes because he read Deuteronomy. He read of the blessings of God and the curses of God. And he knew that his nation, his people, had not kept the law. God would send prophets to his nation, prophet after prophet. They went from listening listening to the prophet to mocking the prophets, from great prophets like Elijah and Elisha to Isaiah to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Oh, Jeremiah. He was given a message to a people that weren't going to listen. It was going to fall on deaf ears. Jeremiah was going to witness the judgment and the curses of God upon his people. And yet through Jeremiah, God pled with his people. He wept and he prayed and he begged Return to the Lord your God. If you would just simply turn. And his people did not. And then we come to this last section. Judgment and obscurity. The only name I want to highlight in this whole list of names, of 14 names, is Jeconiah. The first one of that branch. Jeconiah, son of Josiah. Jeconiah was was king over Judah during the exile of Babylon. You know who was the prophet that pled to Jeconiah? Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah pled with Jeconiah. He, he wept over it. Jeconiah abused the prophet of the Lord. Mistreated the prophet of the Lord. Despised the word of God that came from the prophet of the Lord. And here is Jeconiah in the line of Jesus. The Lord was so fed up with Jeconiah that through Jeremiah, he dispensed judgment upon him. In Jeremiah chapter 22, we read these verses beginning of verse 28. Now listen. Is this man Keniah, which is Jeconiah, by the way, he has multiple different names. Keniah, a despised broken idol, a vessel which is which is no pleasure. Why are they cast out? He and his descendants and cast into a land which they do not know. Oh, earth, earth, hear the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, write this man down as childless, the Lord says. A man who shall not prosper in his days, for none of his descendants shall prosper sitting on the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. Did you catch that curse? Did you catch it? Here is the royal line of David coming to Jeconiah. And such a man was he that the Lord says, Jeconiah, you will not have a man to sit upon the throne of David. So we must ask ourselves, if there is not going to be of the royal line of David, a man sitting on the throne, how can Christ claim that throne? We have to do the math, don't we? Is this a broken promise? How is this? How can we, how can we reconcile this? A man in which God cursed and all his offspring is what we read in this genealogy. Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel, and so forth. Jacob and Joseph. Well, the Lord is good and the Lord is gracious. Number one, the answer is found in verse 16. It says, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. How does God reconcile this mess? How does God reconcile and redeem this mess and this lineage Which, by the way, could you imagine what it does to the heart of the Jew when they read this genealogy? They're so, they're, they're proud people, aren't they? They're proud of their heritage. They're proud of their lineage. And here is the lineage of the Messiah. And it's filled with a bunch of knuckleheads. So much so that, how is he going to reconcile the promises of David? Well, number one, if Jesus was of the seed of Joseph, he would be under the curse of Jeconiah. And so we praise God that he was not of the seed of Jeconiah, of Solomon. But he was of the seed of woman, wasn't he? He was of the seed of Mary. And so when we go back to Luke chapter 2 where we began, or Luke chapter 3 where we began... Here we have the lineage of Mary. And Mary does not intersect in Jeconiah. In fact, Mary doesn't even interject with Solomon. Mary's line is through David's son, Nathan. And so here we have Jesus Christ, the rightful heir through his bloodline. He is the son of David. Now, he's also the rightful heir through the royal line of David. Not because he is a son of Joseph of Jeconiah, but because he's an adopted son. Do you see? Do you see it? Every little detail the Lord completes. His word does not come back void. Every little promise, every little curse, it all adds up. There is no mistakes. And so when Jesus Christ comes, He comes in perfect harmony with His prophets. 
in perfect harmony with His Scriptures. And I'm going to end with this verse. Verse 21, it says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Two things. His name is Jesus. The name Jesus means Jehovah, salvation. It's the same name as Yeshua. Jesus saves. It's, it's God, Jehovah, is salvation. And here is God in the flesh, God coming upon this earth to save. How is He going to save? We just went over this genealogy and it's nothing but sinners. It's nothing but fallen, broken people. He comes to save His people from their sins. And so I leave you with that this morning. I don't know if everybody everybody here knows, knows the Lord. If everybody uh, has become a child of God. If everyone has believed in the Gospel. But l- l- I don't want anybody to walk away this morning without understanding that the, the, the reason in which Jesus came through all that mess of people was that He may forgive not just them in the past, but you in the present and anyone else in the future. If only if we would turn to Him. I, 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 I love the image in Luke chapter 2 of this old man Simeon This old man, Simeon, a devout, holy man, it says. The Word of God calls him a devout man. And it says that the Holy Spirit graciously gave him this. He says, listen, you're not going to pass away until you see the Messiah, the coming one, the the one who's going to right all wrongs. And it says through the Holy Spirit that, that, that when he came to the temple and there was Mary, little Mary with her little baby boy and Joseph going to present him before the priest, that Simon picks up this little baby with both hands and says, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. Listen, what did he have in his hands? It was the Lord. He had nothing else to prove. Listen, the the word of God said that he was a a holy and devout man. He didn't say, oh, because I'm such a good individual, I, I, I see the salvation of the Lord. No! There was no merit in Him. He says, I have seen the salvation of the Lord. It is in Him in which we have salvation. There is no other. There's nothing we could do to redeem ourselves. It is in Him and Him alone. Have you seen Jesus Christ and His salvation? Let us pray. Our Lord and Father, we... Lord, we thank You, Lord. We thank You for Your sovereignty. We thank You for Your your provision and Your providence in all this, Lord. Lord, You've come through a, a, a people, a family that is just broken. You didn't come through them because they were wonderful, because they were great. They were such holy people, Lord. You came through them, in spite of them, to redeem them. Lord, and You are here today waiting for those to simply turn to You and to recognize that they are worthless before You and all they could do is turn to the One who came to save them from their sins. So Father, we pray and magnify Him this morning. Magnify Emmanuel, God with us. I ask all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.